to the Fox Rugby Podcast. I'm Andrew Swain. Super Rugby AU kicked off with a bang on the weekend. What a brilliant start it was as well. The Reds and the Brumbies victorious. We have a couple of great guests this week. Later on, we'll chat to Aussie singer-songwriter Pete Murray about his rugby background. And joining me to go through everything this week is the man who broke the internet by unveiling his lockdown mullet to the world <laughs> during the first game. Two-time World Cup winner, Tim Horan. Timmy, great to have you on. Swaney, very excited to be here. It was a great round last week, so uh, looking forward to having the chat, mate. And we're looking forward to this week witnessing a little bit of rugby history. The Western Force are back playing Super Rugby. And to talk us through it, it's a great pleasure to be joined by the Western Force's own Brynard Stunder. Brynard, thanks for chatting to us, mate. Tell us, how are the emotions travelling in WA for the return of your side to Super Rugby? Hey, guys. Um, <clears throat> firstly, thanks for having me. Much appreciated. Yeah, it's been um, been quite a special week. Um, preparation um, has been quite normal, but I feel that there's a lot of feeling involved in this week's preparation. You can see um, on the boys' faces how excited they are to be playing at the top level again. Um, obviously, knowing that we're really capable um, of doing it from the start, I just um, I can I can just see how excited they are. Yeah, it's going to be special. Brian, what about if I take you back a little bit to when, obviously, the Western Force, you know, were taken out of Super Rugby in Australia, and you know, obviously, that affected a lot of people, families, and everything that you had going on. And then um, Andrew Twiggy Forrest comes in and, and supports the Force in the new competition, Global Rapid Rugby. Um, has that kept the spirit and the team together over that period of time? To me, yeah, I can say obviously it was a very heartbreaking situation. Um, when the force got taken out of super, a lot of disappointed players, supporters and families. But Andrew and Nicola, also the whole upstairs team at the Western Force have done an absolutely unbelievable job of keeping us all gelled together, keeping our motivation high, giving us rugby to play um, for the past few years, which has obviously been the gel of this organisation, us still being able to go onto the field and, and do what we love, play rugby. Um, of course, of course, um, it's been it's had its challenges. It's been tough. There've been situations where guys have obviously been in dark places. But the ultimate, the end goal was to keep us all together and get us back on the field. And and the job that everyone's done here has been absolutely magical. Yeah, it's pretty ironic, really, that um, you know the whole world really is in a in a um, dramatic situation, and then you know the as a result. The Western Force yeah. have been allowed back into Super Rugby. I mean, you, you just yeah. couldn't have written about it, could you? It's it's absolutely crazy how things play out. You, you, no one would have expected this situation to happen, but we're very grateful um, that we can be a part of um, this competition, especially being the standard it is and being playing against the opposition. It's a good test for us. Um, the players are excited to see where we're at. Our preparation's been as good as it can be. Um, now it's just important for us to to go out there and give 100%. Have, have the players spoken about or have you addressed the responsibility that sort of the players may take on with the coaching staff uh, about the opportunity to perform in this competition to then really put your hand up for, which we don't know what Super Rugby is going to look like in 2021-2022, is there, do the players feel a bit of a responsibility and actually say, guys, if we perform well in this competition, it really allows us to put our foot forward after, especially after Twiggy Forest has put $5 million into grassroots rugby in WA. That's one thing. But 
um, to be able to put your hand up in this competition for potential future super rugby comps? Yeah, well, definitely. Um, we, see, we see everything that comes our way to me at the moment as a great opportunity. The players, um, the players here feel that we're prepared, as prepared as we can be. Everyone in WA is behind us to put our hands up and perform at the level that we're capable of. I think everyone here believes in us. Um, we just, we just got to believe in ourselves come Saturday afternoon that we can put our hand up and we can perform to the expected level. Um, I don't think talent is an issue. I don't think work ethic is an issue. I don't think our team culture is an issue. We, all of those things are tick, tick, tick. For us, it's just really important to in that pressure situation, um, run out onto the field and be able to perform or put out on the field what we've trained for, what we've prepared for. That's the most important bit. Reinhard, you, you've been involved with the team. You've been at the force since 2014. Um, and, and so you've been through it and seen it all. And, and you've probably had to take a, a, a fairly large leadership role in that team. Would I be right in, in assuming that? Yeah, you're correct in saying that. Um, it's obviously I had to grow up really quickly um, in the situation, which is never a bad thing. You know, sometimes getting thrown in the deep end um, and learning how to swim is, is the easiest way how to, to learn. Um, it's been... It's been an unreal journey for me, obviously, being part of some of the greatest wins the Western Forces ever had to some of the, the greatest, uh, some of the darkest moments the club's ever had. So I've got to experience that firsthand. But I think not just me, there's a, there's a lot of other players that did as well. And I think um, tough times and good, good times combined makes you a really strong person and you'll, you'll just be better for it. I can't wait to see it uh, on Saturday night against the Waratahs. It's going to be a fantastic match and can't wait to see what, what performance the force put out. Um, but I want to, um, Mike, can I take you back a little bit, obviously back to your early days uh, back in South Africa um, where, um, you know, you went to school in Durban, um, you played yeah. you know, for the Sharks in Curry Cup. It's one of my greatest, um, I would have loved to have played in the Curry Cup. It's probably one of the only competitions I didn't get a chance to play in. Because that Curry Cup's got so much history. Just give us a bit about your background, where you went to school and, and, and how you came up through the ranks to, to play for the Sharks in that uh, Curry Cup. Sure, Timmy, no problem. Um, I've been playing for uh, rugby for as long as I can remember. Um, my first um, state representation was as young as eight years old. So I was playing under nine coastal Sharks is what they used to call it back in that day. Crazy if you think about it now, how long ago that was. Um, I went to a tiny little school called Vanda. It's an Afrikaans school. Couldn't speak much English until I actually went to high school. So high school is where I learned most of my English. I went to a school called Westville Boys High. So it was a very academic school, more so than a sporting school. Um, we've had some real swimming greats. Um, Olympic champions come from uh, Westville Boys High. So it wasn't really a rugby-specific school. Um, I played... All through high school, I played first 15 quite early at the age of 14. I think I was the youngest player um, in the history of the school to play first 15 at my age. I was, I was so young, they, they weren't sure what to do with me. <laughs> to me, I then went through the ranks um, under 13, Coastal Sharks, I think it was called, and then Craven Week, which I'm sure you're aware of, under 16 and under 18, um, all through school. And then under 19, Sharks, under 21. Played a bit of Sharks 15 as well, and then eventually got my got my crack to play for the senior team. But I was I was with the likes of Keegan Daniels and 
those sorts of players which were of high quality, you know, Villa Molbets. So it was a tough it was a tough gig there for me. But the good thing was is for me to have to fight for every inch there was a good thing for me. And then obviously got the call here when when Foles was the coach and uh, yep. he asked me to to come over and, and join and I saw it as a massive opportunity. Obviously not just for rugby, but just just for my entire life, you know. I, I saw opportunity for to play in a country that's, you know, beautiful and I've heard so much about and could never even have dreamed of coming to if it wasn't for rugby. So really, really grateful for that to me. Was your was your plan though to come to Australia like for a two year contract when Michael Foley rings you or a three year or and then yeah. go back to South Africa or had you decided then and there, okay, I want to make my life in Australia because of what was probably happening in South Africa at the time? Or? Oh, to me, to be honest with you, um, at such a young age, you know, when when you get an opportunity to come play footy in Australia, you don't really think past 12 months or 24 months. You just go, wow, what an opportunity. Mate, I came here, um, obviously, with the dream of playing Super Rugby. And um, I remember 2007, 2008, watching guys like Hojo play on, on the telly and sitting there and watching and watching and watching. And I could never have dreamed of eventually being in a team where he's my captain, which was crazy. It was almost like a deja vu moment where I was like, what's going on? Um, insane. But my plan was, obviously, you could never plan to stay here for, for now as long as I've been here, nearly eight years, seven or eight years. Um, it's been kind of a dream come true for me to be not just at an organization that's so so tight-knit, such a good family, but also to be playing um, rugby in Australia in such a beautiful country and also just living my dream to me, yeah. The, the last couple of years, um, you know, Global Rapid Rugby has really taken a, a foothold, particularly over in, in WA. Um, it, it was highly entertaining as well. I mean, is that, is that a focus of the team, to really have a crack? It's a big focus for us. So we want to play um, ball in hand style football. I think it's been one of our strengths over the past few years. Um, also in NRC, it's just we play a very lively game. So we try and stay on top of opposition um, by speeding the game up. That's what we try and do without giving too much of our game plan away. <laughs> now, look, you know, our plan is to be fitter and our skills to be better. And for us to not um, slow the ball down, we want to play. We want to keep the ball in hand for as long as possible. And every opportunity we get, to speed up a situation or a set-piece area, we'll do so. Ron, just tell us a few of the, um, the players to look out for, not only on Saturday, but moving forward in this competition. You've got some very skillful players. A lot of people probably haven't seen a lot of, apart from when they play for the Perth Spirit in NRC. Players like Jonah Placid, I know he's injured at the moment, but other players who we, we should be looking out for. Yeah, Timmy, we, we've got a great mix of um, young and, you know, a little bit older. Our outside backs, um, a guy like Ronnie, He's, um, he hasn't got, obviously, much game time, time on the big stage, but I think a guy like him, his work ethic is huge. Um, he's really, really fit, and he's very skillful. Um, so a, a guy like him is someone to look out for. I think what we like to pride ourselves with is um, our set piece, so our forward pack, and guys to look out for there is in the front row, someone like Folletti, um, really tough ball carrier, really, um, really solid guy, and also upping his skill in his set-piece area as of late, really gone up a lot. Um, when I have to run into him at training, I always regret it because he's a hard man. 
And then in our second row, a guy like Fergley Warner, who um, got the accolade in our final last year, he's a really skillful player, works really hard, um, highly underrated. So I think those are the, the, the couple of guys to look out for. Obviously, I can name the entire team because boys have all put their hands up and they work really hard. But I think if I, if I break it down, a couple of guys to look out for would be those. And you've had some guys who've come in to kind of bolster the ranks a little bit as well. Uh, guys like Kyle Godwin and John O'Lance and, 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 and that type of player. Uh, what have they added in the short amount of time you guys have had them there? Mate, experience. Um, just a couple of old heads in the team. Just um, calming everything down a bit. Um, so when we, in our execution days, when things don't exactly go to plan, just just having those guys looking around and seeing guys like that around you, knowing that oh, they've they've done all that before. They've been all they've been in those places. They've had days where things went perfect and and days where things went good. And uh, just for for the younger guys that will run out with them on Saturday night, just to look around and see faces like that, I think it'll just add a huge calming factor to what we're doing. Help us execute. Just taking away from rugby a little bit, uh, what are you doing your days off, mate, in uh, in WA? Have you seen much of the countryside? Have you gone camping to get a Rottnest Island? Or, and what about in your off-season? Have you had a chance for um, you know, to travel around Australia and a bit more of a look around? Mate, um, I'll tell you, my wife and I, we love Queensland. We love to visit Queensland. So whenever we get a little gap, we scoot over to Queensland. It's a it's a beautiful part. Um, surface paradise is somewhere that, somewhere I really love. Locally, yeah, we've been down south quite a lot. We've been up north. We take a trip often. I know a lot of the boys play golf on a Wednesday, but I'm not really a golfer. I mean, my swing's terrible to me. Um, <laughs> but the guys enjoy that. But I've tried to see as much as I can. Um, do you do like a lot, a, of other, a lot of other South Africans do? You get you go camping, get the braai out on the side of the road. And, uh, have Mate, to be honest with you, no, we haven't done that recently. But I'll tell you what I do on my Wednesday is I take a trip down to the local South African shop and I get myself a big bag of biltong. Oh, and, yes. Uh, I, know, I know my which, wife. Which flavour? Which flavour do you go? Uh, spicy. Spicy, lots oh, of fat. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And oh, I keep leaving it in all different places of the house and uh, she says uh, she gets very annoyed because I just leave it next to my bedside table, <laughs> next to my bed. <laughs> Snack on it when I get a minute. Well, I'll tell you what, you guys are off to your, you're off to Sydney first and then you go up to your hub in the Hunter Valley. Wine, yeah. cheese, biltong. It's a, it's a great combination and dangerous probably yeah, as heard. well. <laughs> I've heard, mate. I've heard a lot of, <laughs> lot of good things in the Hunter Valley. Yeah, we're looking forward to that. We're seeing it as an opportunity um, to go and spend um, some time together as a team. We haven't done that for long period of, periods of time over the last few years, where obviously the other super franchises have, where they spend weeks on the road together. So I think it's a good time for us to to bond, to really learn what each other's personalities are and what everyone's about, and also learn each other's why, you know, the reasons why we do what we do. It's a good time for us to, to be able to do that. And my brother, what about, um, very quickly, about the, the junior level of rugby, boys and girls in, in WA? Um, obviously, Twiggy, as I mentioned, has put $5 million to, to support grassroots uh, rugby. Obviously, you know, it'll be seven aside, rugby, 10 aside, and 15 aside to get people to play rugby. What's the, I mean, the fan base has been pretty good as we saw last year when, you know, the Wallabies took on, you know, the All Blacks in Perth, massive crowd um, at yeah. the stadium. Um, do you see that, is there, a, is there a growth spurt in rugby there the last four or five years or has it dropped off a little bit since the force were in Super Rugby? What's the, what's the level looking like? Mate, I can tell you from, the, from what I know, it's really consistent. The, the numbers here in WA 
whenever we spend our time down um, in the local ranks and, and in the community doing what we love. So we pop down there and we go and help with the juniors um, and the junior programs. And I can tell you the numbers are huge to me. The, the, the players that come out to to want to be a part of rugby is very significant. Um, I don't think there's been a drop-off in the last few years. If anything, I think because we stayed on the field, it was a reason for those young players to still go down to their local footy clubs and be a part of their junior programs. So I think that's been a huge factor, um, just us staying on the field and, and giving them a reason to do what they love to do as well. And I think now that we get to play against the best in Australia, I think it's even more of a reason for these young players to go down to their local footy clubs. It'll also obviously be a, a big boost in our, in our senior clubs here. Yeah. Um, for the guys to go, well, you know what, there's a team, um, there's a great team to aspire to now. And um, that's a good reason for the guys to go out, 18, 19-year-olds, and go and show what they're made of. Grassroots here in WA has always been a huge focus. Um, and I think we can pick the fruits from that because when we're down in the communities, the numbers are, are really, really good. Yeah, that's brilliant, Brynard. And, and this weekend, you take on the Waratahs. I'm sure that you guys have, have done your homework and watched the game from the other night. It's, they are the last team that you guys beat in Super Rugby. So it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's fantastic that you come back in and get to play against them. What are you expecting from the Waratahs? I'm expecting the Waratahs to, to they're going to come out flying. That's what I expect. Um, they'll obviously be hurting from a, from a few areas from the weekend's game. Um, there, there's certain things that didn't didn't go perfect for the way to the way they probably planned it on the weekend. Um, I expect their leaders to step up this weekend um, and really come at us hard. So it's really important for us for that first 10 to 20 minutes to really be able to not just absorb that pressure, but also turn that pressure into positives for us. Um, for us, it's going to be to really stay calm and be disciplined. These guys, obviously, we know they've got a very good um, counter-attacking um, back three. So if we just kick the ball away to them willy-nilly, they're going to come back at us hard. Um, and our defensive line is going to have to be good. So really important for us to make sure we control what we can control really well, staying on side, not giving away any penalties at the breakdown, and also penalties for being offside, because as you know, the refs now are really looking at that hard, not giving them easy outs. And they're going to bring a few trick plays. So they've got a lot of clever heads um, in that team. So we're expecting a, a couple of trick plays for us that we're going to have to play heads up. Mm. And Brian, just very quickly before we finish up, where, where's sure. your um, contracting-wise at the moment? So are you all contracted for the Western Force just for this competition or are players in the Western Force contracted for Global Rapid Rugby for next year as well? Or what's the situation there? To me, I, I know, I don't know how much I can say about that. Um, but what I, what I can tell you is that um, there's obviously um, talks and, and there's huge positivity going forward from not just this year, but contracting for the next uh, few years going forward. So I know there's a plan to, to keep guys in WA and in Perth. Um, I'm not too sure what the exact um, plan is upstairs because... You know, we just want to get on the field and we just want to perform. You know, the rest will take care of itself. But I, I do know for a fact that um, they're wanting to keep the, the players in WA, not just for the remainder of this year, but also moving forward. 
Oh, well, Brian, uh, we really appreciate your time today, mate. And I think I speak on behalf of, uh, you know, all rugby fans in Australia that it's so fantastic to see the Western Force back in Super Rugby. And uh, we get to see the Western Force take on the Waratahs on Saturday night at 7pm on Fox Sports. It's going to be fantastic, mate. We wish you all the best. Thank you very much, guys. Yeah, and hopefully um, we can put on a good show for Australia and yeah, show how, how hard we've been working here in the West. Appreciate it. Go well, Bronard. Good luck. Thank you, Timmy. Thank you. Bronard Stander there. And uh, after a quick break, we're going to have a quick chat to Aussie singer-songwriter Pete Murray in our Off the Bench segment. Well, it's a great pleasure in our first ever Off the Bench segment. Uh, Tim Horan is joining me on the Fox Rugby podcast. And Off the Bench today, we have... Australian legendary singer-songwriter, Pete Murray. Pete, thanks so much for uh, joining us on the Fox Rugby Podcast. How are you guys? Yeah, nice to have me involved today. Hey, Pete. Um, Tim here. I want to take you back a little bit, mate. Um, we obviously played a bit of footy together in the schoolboys days, but yep. um, give me a bit of a history of um, where you started your rugby. Where did you start playing? I know you went to school in Chinchilla, but then you came down to Brisbane and boarded at the great rugby nursery at Nudgee College. You would have played again with some great players there. Is that how you first started playing rugby? Yeah, Tim, I, I was, um, you know, I grew up in a place called Chinchilla, which you, you would know, and uh, it was a big rugby league town, you know, so uh, there was no union there at all. We ended up having a, a team after I left called the Chinchilla River Rats, which I think were quite famous for getting flogged. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think the, the best score they had that year was something like 112 to nil. Um, so, but, yeah, I went to school down in Nudgee in grade 11 and 12. I actually... Asked mum and dad if I could go away because I think, you know, what the city had to offer compared to the country was just so much more, especially um, education-wise and also just with the, with the sport, you know, who you're playing against and who you compete against. I used to do swimming, uh, athletics and, and, uh, and rugby. So, for me, it was great to get down there and, you know, compete against uh, guys, you know, down there at that level. So, um, yeah, the rugby started for me. It, was a, it wasn't too hard to adjust being a, being a back in league, you know, going into the union was actually... I, I, kind of really enjoyed it so I do remember playing my first um uh game at, at Nudgee and we were trolling out for the first and you know back uh you know in those days I guess when you're coming from wearing league shorts to wearing union shorts you got your pockets there and I just <laughs> I was just said to the guys like, what are the pockets for and because I was playing I think uh, trolling out on the wing at that stage uh one of the guys said um mate you just wing is just standing with your hands in your pockets for a while so I like, oh, <laughs> So that was the that was what I was told. So, um, look, I made the first, made it the first there in, in my first year in grade 11, and uh, that was at outside centre. And, like, I loved it. You know, it was a great game, and I it, it just sort of, uh, I think, changed the way I played the game, and, you know, it was, it was fantastic. And then uh, and then you, you went into, probably into club rugby, I would say, into Brisbane. Where did you, where did you play your club rugby, and, um, and what was that experience like going from schools into, into clubs? Well, when I left school, I um, I continued my athletics because I was I actually really enjoyed that. I was running the fours and eights. Don't tell me why. I, I don't know why I enjoyed that so much. But you know, I think the um, athletics was something I loved when I was a kid. You know, so I, when I left school, I continued to do that, and I went and tried out for the uh, Commonwealth Games trials. And I think when I was nineteen, and uh, but I still had a love for for union. I was always going to come back to union, but I think gave myself a couple of years of doing athletics, but. The, uh, the problem with athletics, I, I probably enjoyed a beer too much, to be honest, to be, uh, you know, top, uh, 
top runner, especially in the in the fours and eights, you need to be pretty fit the whole time. But the thing I found coming back into the um, into the the union when I came back, I played for Brothers. Oh, the great field. That's where I played. My favourite yep, club in yep. the world. Well done. Good yes, job. Mate. So uh, I came to Brothers and we played there in 99. We had a great year. We made the grand final. Unfortunately, I, I strained my quad about two weeks out before that. So I, I couldn't play. We played against Uni and we lost. Um, but it was a great season. What I found coming back, uh, I, I was, I really loved the sevens. Uh, because yeah. coming off athletics, I was, you know, um, super fit. So I could go all day. And I remember, mm. uh, you know, in a lot of those games, that there'll be times where the guys would just be so tired. You know, it got to the stage where, you know, the opposition would kick it and our guys would kick it back, but no one would chase it. And I'd just run through and pick it up and score a five. So <laughs> it was a bit easier for the sevens. Um, the, fit, the fitness. What, what about, Pete? What about if you go back a bit to, I mean, we played Queensland schoolboys together. Um, yeah. Obviously, you did. You had two years in the first there at Nudgee and then you jumped on the wing. I'm pretty sure if I'm, my memory's best, the Queensland schoolboys. We I think we played the Irish schoolboys yeah. uh, in Brisbane. Now, I, I do have a little story to tell about that, Tim. And it's the first time we played together. I played right. you. We played um, two games against you. Uh, Nudgee played uh, Downers, which I think we. I don't know whether we. I don't know whether we played the first season. It might have been cancelled. The second game, the second year we played in Grade Twelve, we played you guys and you beat us. Yep. Yeah, nine some, three. Remember, remember the score. You're unbeaten until you play Downers. All I remember is there's a lot of cheating going on. You know, around the heart. <laughs> and and um, so we got done, we, and, we, and we won the premiership that year too. So that was a good, you know, for Downlands to beat that nudgy side. Uh, it was a good win for you guys, for sure. A tough game. I remember that super tough game. You know, we just, mm. it was like, your defence was great. I think I, the whole game, I think I made like one break. It was just, it just you yep. just couldn't get through. And, uh, and I think that during that break, I think you're the one that got me too, actually. So <laughs> I've got a few, I got a, I got some stories about Tim, but I'll talk about one that I remember the first time I played with, with you, mate. Um, you, were, you were fly half. And I was on the wing and uh, it's the very first, very early in the game. And you got the ball straight away. And you sort I think of we played a brothers, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and um, you got the ball, you stepped the fly half, you, I think you palmed off both centers. You're just running sideways. And I'm like going pass it, pass it, because I'm on the wing. And my wing has kind of come in and there's a space there for me to take it. And you didn't pass it. And you basically palmed off the wing and stepped around and I'm abusing you. You're like this stage. <laughs> Give me the ball. The so, uh, first game I played with him, he's just coming straight across and I'm abusing you the whole out the field going, pass it, pass it. And, and the, the breakaways come across. Seems like palmed him off, stepped in this side. Just couldn't, these guys couldn't stop him. And then I didn't stop abusing him until the whole way through till you got hit by three guys. And uh, then this hand comes up and the ball just kind of, pops over and this ball just pops straight in my chest and I just dive over for the try. And I remember uh, just saying to Tim, mate, if you want to do that again, go for your life. <laughs> Seriously, five minutes later, the same thing happened again. So it's like yeah. a, an unbelievable thing to have to play against you, but then also to play with you because it was, uh, you know, uh, you know, Tim, probably one of the best players uh, that Australia's produced and an amazing feeling to have that someone in the team like that, you know, so it just lifts you to another level. And so I had the, the pleasure of playing with you. And then against you, we, we played uh, coming into a sevens tournament at Redcliffe. And I remember we were, we were going down. Uh, brothers were, you know, South were beating brothers. And uh, I remember, um, I just remember diving over for a try. And I thought, yep, yeah, I've got it. And out of nowhere, you just slid under me and just rolled me back on my back. And I, is this just after you played your first test, I think, for... Um, Could have been, yeah, early France, 90s, yeah. Just come back. 
And the difference from where you'd been, you know, back at schoolboy level to then when I'd seen you play, you know, after the test match and then playing against you then. And I just couldn't move. I could not get the ball down. I think I was about this close to the to putting it down. I just you wouldn't you wouldn't let me. Like you guys yeah. won the game. What's going on? <laughs> Uh, great, great memories. Uh, what about so? What what got you into singing then, mate? Did you did you think you injured your knee, didn't you, badly? What what year did you do that, and then decide to sort of pick up a guitar and do some other things? Uh, ninety, I think it was ninety three. I think I might have done that. Now I came, I went, I played uh, season ninety nine, and I went back to athletics for ninety one and ninety two again. So I came back and then played rugby, and yep. uh, and I was. Um, Played with Jeff Miller formed a team called the Polar Bears. I don't know if you remember that. There's a group of yep. guys, uh, Graham Holt from East, and a few other guys just around the place that all came and played for this team. It actually wasn't a bad team. And um, mate, I was actually uh, once again had the fitness on my side, so things were going quite well. And there was a possibility of of um, making the Australian side to go to the Hong Kong Sevens at that stage. And I remember mm-hmm. um, this all stuff happened around the same time as the knee injury that I got, and uh, I injured my knee during a tournament, my posterior uh, cruciate, which like, it just wasn't too bad. I could probably still play, but and um, uh, Jeff said, "Look, a couple of the selectors are actually interested in you uh, for the for the Hong Kong Sevens team. So uh, there's another tournament we'd like you to go away with, with the guys and, and see how you go." And I said, "Yeah, well, great." Um, and I think Bob Templeton had something to do with this at that back at that stage. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I said, "Look, you know, if they're keen, if Bob's keen, like." here's my number, give me a call and I'll do it. You know, otherwise I'm just going to get some physio and I'll, I'll, um, I'll just take, take the, you know, some time off and I'll come back and play towards the end of the year when it's ready. Mm. So I never got a call and I thought, well, that's, you know, I'll, um, I just picked up a guitar actually to friends. So I just started playing the guitar and I, that's when I first started playing, but I never got this call from Bob. I thought, well, that must've been just a bit of, you know, blowing in the wind that one. And then about two weeks or a week or so after that comp was on, my sister said, oh, I actually, you know what, by the way, someone called for you the other day. Oh, I, no. No. I said, who, who called? She said, oh, some, um, what was his name? Templeton. Bob, Bob Templeton? I've gone. Oh, <laughs> oh, brutal. No. It was kind of like, you know, that, but that was the pivotal moment. You know, I picked up a guitar and I started playing and I, I missed out on that. And I mean, not that I may not have made that anyway, but it was a great thing to kind of get the call from Bob at that stage and, and there'd be a chance of it. But I, end of the year, mate, I came back and I was uh, fighting fit again. And then I played another sevens tournament down at Byron Bay, which is where I live now. And uh, during one of the games there, I, I, in the same knee, I stepped, uh, twisted, went to, to throw a pass and, and I snapped my entry cruciate and pretty much that was mm-hmm. it. So I, um, you know, I just kind of thought that's, you know, I kept, there was little injuries happening during that season as well. And you got a fractured eye, eye socket and different things. I remember thinking to myself, I don't think the big guy upstairs wants me to play this game. There's something that's not quite, yeah. quite working here. So I made, I was um, studying natural medicine at the time and I just took some time off. I went overseas, bought a guitar in the States and traveled through America and through Europe and then came back thinking that I'll get back into the, to the rugby again and having have a good crack at that. But it just, you know, the knee was never the same. It's uh, um because of the posterior cruciate and the anterior, I think it was a bit sloppy. So there was just too much movement and it was never the same. So music kind of took over and that's really, um, you know, I remember coming back and playing. I went to Jeeps for a little while, uh, had a season at Jeeps, but I only played half the year and I was got a gig at um, uh, my first gig at, at um, Dooley's Hotel in Brisbane. Oh, great. Yeah. Bar. So I started, you know, I started to do that and things just changed. I didn't want to play footy anymore. I didn't want to take the chance of, you know, 
damaging the fingers because this one's already kind of bends backwards now. And so, yeah. <laughs> you know, I have to just play it safe and, and um, stay off the paddock. What about, mate, um, do you remember um, back in, I think, I'm not sure what part of your um, singing career it was, but um, we won the World Cup. And I know you, you went to a lot of Wallaby games and you travelled overseas and you used to, you know, watch different matches, test matches, and you're, yep. you're obviously pretty close to, to John Eels and some other players as well. Um, can you remember when we got you down after we won the Rugby World Cup in 1999? Yeah. Uh, a great friend of ours, a Wallaby team guy called um, Paul Ramsey, the late Paul Ramsey, Ramsey Healthcare, got about, he had a couple of houses on the beach there at Byron Bay. Yeah. And there was about eight or nine of us down there. So Jason Little, David Wilson, Joe Roth, Daniel Herbert, just to name a few, and our partners or wives at the time. And we all were going down there for, for a weekend for Paul Ramsey to say, thanks very much, you know, congratulations on the World Cup. And I remember saying to, to Paul, um, we should get some a musician or someone to sort of, you know, play the guitar or something. He said, oh, yeah, yeah. Do, do you know anyone? I said, well, I've got a mate of mine called Peter Murray. It wasn't Pete then. It was Peter Murray. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and he said, uh, he said, yeah, great. So if, if memory serves me right, I rang you up and I said, Pete, listen, um, we've got this little gig for you. Um, at 250 bucks. We can pay you to come down and do maybe two hours at lunchtime. <laughs> Which was big money back then, Timmy. It big was, money. yeah. <laughs> Have a break and then another two hours in the afternoon, which was great. And I'm not sure if you remember this, but you played the first two hours of obviously all covers um, at the time, which, which you were doing a lot of covers. We had break, had lunch, and then in the afternoon, just before you went back up for your second session for two hours, you sort of came over and sort of said, oh, Tim, can I have a minute? I said, yeah, no worries, Pete. What's up? You want another beer or something? He said, no, it's all good. He said, do you mind if I play some of my own music, some of my own songs? I said, mate, no way, Pete. No, 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 no. We just want the covers, mate. Keep playing the covers. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think he got one or two songs in. <laughs> no, I remember that day. That was great fun, mate. And I, look, you weren't the first one to, to, uh, to turn me down from the, uh, for the, from the original stuff. <laughs> but um, uh, Paddy McGrath, another brother's player, a uh, friend of mine from the club, Paddy was famous also um, amongst the brothers crew because he, he uh, wanted to get me to come and play a gig for, um, for his uh, company law firm then. And he said, look, mate, um, you know, come down and play some, uh, some covers for us, you know. And I said, look, Paddy, I'm only just doing um, originals now. I kind of switched over and I'd already started the original stuff. And, and this is probably just before, uh, you know, the Feeler album came out, 2003 yep. or four, I think it was, and then it kind of exploded. And Paddy was giving me some advice going, mate, don't waste your time playing originals. Though. You're never going to make any money. Doing that, okay? <laughs> Stick to cover. Stick to cover. Yeah, so go the covers. He's, yeah. he's quite famous, I think, for, for making that comment to me. But um, oh, look, brilliant. I remember that day. That, that was a great day. And uh, good to catch up with you guys, especially after that win, because everyone was on such a high. And mm. uh, the only, one of the things I remember, we, we had out on that um, front lawn. Remember, you guys were having, uh, hitting the golf balls. That's right, out after the ocean, yeah. And Eelsley, you could, and, and Berkey could whack it for a mile. I wasn't very good at golf, hey, and I, the guy said, come and have a go. I'm like, I wasn't sure because there was, there was a few people on the beach, but I remember there was a couple that were just together, bit of kind of, you know, bit of slap and tickle going on the beach, bit of kissing <laughs> and stuff. Anyway, I, I came up and had a, um, had a shot, and this thing, I got, kind of hit the top of the ball and just skimmed straight down across, and I was heading straight for them. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it basically bounced and sort of bounced over the top of them, and they didn't even notice it, which is lucky. Oh. So, yeah, I didn't have another shot after that. But <laughs> I think you were the most sober one there by the time we were hitting the golf balls. You know? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, for sure. Oh, very good. And, and Pete, you've got a new single out. It's just uh, it's just dropped recently. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. This, this song is called "Found My Place." Uh, you know, it's about um, passing on wisdom to someone younger. So, in, in my case, I use this uh, my own life experience for uh, for the inspiration for this song, and and also for my kids to pass it on. So, music business is a, is a tough one, guys. Really. Um, tough to make it in that in that industry and so you know it's really I mean life in general I think even if you're um, brought up in a normal family I think as kids we all tend to think that uh, you know life's going to be easy because you know we've got good good parents and you've been looked after your whole life pretty much so you think it's going to be easy and you're going to achieve whatever you want to achieve and you're going to you know things are just going to fall into place but it doesn't work out that way so you know this is what the song's about is that this you know it's going to be uh, Lots of uh, lots of things in your way. Uh, just you just got to be um, positive and and um, be true to yourself, and and you know things will fall into place. Rugby's very similar, I guess, in that in that vein as well. You know, you just never know when your life's going to change and go a different direction. You you might get injured, and and that's exactly what happened with yourself, though, Pete. So thanks for telling us that story, mate. You go, Timmy. I remember watching a couple of gigs, um, you know, over in, in London when I was playing for Saracens over there. So um, great that. You know, all the rugby supporters, you know, support you and support the albums and the singles going forward, mate. So um, thanks for joining us and tell us, a, telling us a bit about your rugby history today, mate. Thanks, mate. No, I remember the early days too, you know, playing the gigs that used to be um, the rugby crowd. And I remember yeah. playing a, uh, at a little venue, uh, well, when I say little venue, uh, you know, 500 capacity, a place called The Zoo in Brisbane. Oh, and yeah. I remember whenever I played there, uh, the zoo guys loved my crowd because they were massive drinkers, you know. This was all the rugby <laughs> I was able to get gigs everywhere around the place. So, it was, you know, it was good to get that support from, from the, you know, the rugby guys. And uh, man, it wasn't just my club. It was all, all clubs. It was all rugby guys everywhere. That, you know, I think when you've got that connection, when you played the game, it's like a big family, isn't it? You know, so mm. um, still get them today, mate. Still got big drinkers in my, uh, at my gigs right now. So, <laughs> good to have you. Uh, great stuff. Oh, very good. Well, Pete, we really appreciate you uh, joining us today, mate, on the uh, Off the Bench segment, the first one ever. I really appreciate it. And thanks for, thanks for coming on the Fox Rugby podcast. And good luck uh, with, the, with the release of the new single. And I hope it all goes well. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Yeah, Pete Murray there. Timmy, great. Thank you so much for getting him on. What, what a great uh, talker. And, and he's got a great, rich rugby history as well. Yeah, as I said before, you know, fans have always, you know, watched Pete Murray, always mainly the rugby fans, and that's where he's come from. But he never forgets where he came from and, um, you know, playing at Nudgee College and Brothers and a little bit of Jeeps. And, you know, it's um, a silver lining in, you know, injuring your knee. He goes on to obviously become a, a superstar in the music industry and, um, you know, still great now. We all still support him. So look forward to seeing him at one of the test matches this year or potentially next year. Absolutely. Well, the, the rugby immediately this weekend, we've got the Rebels taking on the Reds on Friday night from Brookvale Oval. You can catch all that on Fox Sports. And then Saturday, the return of the Western Force. Great to chat to Brynard Stander before um, they take on the Waratahs on Saturday night. You can catch all that on Fox Sports as well. Timmy, thanks so much for joining us on the Fox Rugby Podcast. Thanks, Wayne. All good. And thank you at home for joining us. 